Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. So how are we doing this morning? Are we in the house of the Lord? Are we here to worship and give God all the praise and glory for, the, for today and for the rest of the week until we come back again? Amen, amen, amen. Are we doing back there, Joel? Okay. Because I have no problem switching out. <laughs> I'm good with the handheld. So I just thank you this morning for welcoming me into the house and welcoming me as a part of the staff. And one thing I wanted to talk about before I get into my sermon this morning is what a wonderful time y'all missed last night for prayer. Who last night, who here this morning was here for prayer last night, please? Now, did we not have an amazing time in the Lord last night? Thank you. We need to let everybody know what they missed, right? I walked into the sanctuary a little late. Sometimes I do it intentionally, and sometimes I'm just like... <laughs> But I walked into the sanctuary a little late, maybe about 10, 15 minutes after our service started, and I got slammed at the door. Okay? The atmosphere was thick. The presence of the Lord was at the front door. It took two minutes for me to get floored. I couldn't even make it up to a seat or to the front. I was just done. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I love... I. Well, pastor said he's got to get me keys because he just can't handle the fact that I like to stay here later than the regular time. But I love being in the presence of the Lord. Do you love being in the presence of the Lord? Yeah, it was an amazing time last night. Um, And my friends, I want to encourage you, okay? We have the online, that's three weeks out of the month. And then we have the in-person once a month. And it's not just about the staff. It's, it's, it's our community. We are the community. So I want to encourage you. I don't want you guys to miss what we got last night. Amen? Amen. Everybody needs to receive what we received last night in the house of the Lord. So if it's only once a month that you can start coming out, it's, it's the... Saturday of the month, um, where we do, where the week that we do um, communion, we're here at six o'clock, we're here for two hours, we do worship, like listen, worship sets the tone, worship tears the veil, worship opens the door for the Holy Spirit to set, and when we come in, we receive, we're coming in heavy, we are coming in heavy, but when you hit that presence, it all falls apart. And so my friends, I love to see, like prayer is just my thing. I, I can't do without it. I, be, I end up being the desert, the dry desert without it, and then I just turn into a different person. So just pray that I always have prayer. It's very important. Um, I wanted to make a really, really big point about that because we talk to our friends. We talk to our spouses right? We talk about having a relationship with the Lord. 
Well, how can you have a relationship with the Lord if you're not talking to him? And sometimes it doesn't have to be a long conversation. I told my granddaughter the other day, all you have to say is, I love you, Lord. It really is just that simple. But when he sees us making an effort, just like your best friend might see you making an effort, or your spouse might see you making an effort, when he sees us making an effort to spend time with him or to talk with him, I'm not going to use the Christianese language because I don't think it's necessary, but just having a conversation with him, collectively with our brothers and sisters, the children that he has called and created, oh my gosh, he's excited. It pleases him. He loves it. He loves it. So I just want to encourage you. I'm not going to browbeat you on the prayer thing. But if I see you walking around, I probably will snatch you. Amen? And the topic of the prayer yesterday, I think what shifted me so much was it fell right in line, Pastor, with what um, the Lord put on my heart to talk. So first of all, let me just say happy family weekend, right, to everyone. This is family weekend, yes? yes. Okay. Um, and so I wanted to say happy family weekend to everyone. It's not a coincidence that Pastor chose this weekend for me to have a conversation with you. But when I realized that that's what the Lord had done, I started to say to him, well, what are we going to talk about? What do you want me to what conversation do you want me to have with your, your people? And he said, families. And I said, okay, that's a pretty broad topic. And um, he didn't change it. I think it's been about two weeks, maybe, you had mentioned this to me. And then shortly after, um, technology, it's over. <laughs> shortly after, um, Pastor mentioned, started talking about wanting to do the series on family, and I thought, okay, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> so this is a prelude, because it's not nearly close to what I believe the Lord has put on Pastor's heart to discuss with us for his series, but it's just a prelude to um, what is to come. And I'm going to have to switch over, because technology's not working for me today, but the devil's a liar. Amen? Amen? Okay. So one of the things I do want to tell you guys is, if I'm ever up here, um, I definitely am an interactive t uh, preacher and, and teacher. And I love to hear responses, not because I need it, but because I feel the Lord wants to hear that you're hearing what he has actually set for you to hear. So I will encourage you over the course of time to, even if a spontaneous amen comes out, let it flow, because that's the Holy Spirit moving in you. Amen? amen. All right. So I'm going to do a little change, switcheroo here, because um, my iPad died. It died twice today, and we just started. <laughs> so we're going to go back old school. But I wanted to talk about family matters, family business. This thing can uh, hold my Bible. This thing is a brick. All right. So we're going to talk about family matters. Has anybody, um, do you ever remember or rem a show called Family Matters? Yeah? 
put your hand up, please, because I, oh, thank God. <laughs> I thought I was dating myself. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so I have a little clip just for those who didn't put their hand up. And uh, if we could put that up for a second. Turn up the music. It's time to do the Urkel. <laughs> Saturday night for nine years. It went nine seasons, and I sat every Saturday night watching, waiting for that show. So it's about a middle-class suburban black family, of course, that's set in Chicago. Uh, typical family. Three kids, ages 9, 12, and 14. So some of us have children, and we have children that age, or coming to that age soon. And just so think about, you know, that time frame when, you know, what life was like. Mom held an average job at a local newspaper, and the father was a police officer in Chicago. And they had a couple of interesting characters, as you saw. <laughs> Steve Urkel and uh, a few other guests that came through. It was uh, Steve's character that actually took the show away. And so I'm actually thankful for Steve. And there's usually always one that comes in. So many episodes, they seem to focus around Steve and the father. But a number, a number of episodes also explored serious topics, including gangs, police brutality, teenage drinking, guns in schools, just the everyday life things that we go through. I mean, who watches? The, has anybody been watching the news for the last six months? I wouldn't be surprised if there was a shooting, God, for, God forbid, last night while we were sleeping. Every day, for at least this week, there's been at least one shooting in the city of Toronto or the GTA. See? This is what I'm talking about. So the everyday things that we have. The, unfortunately, this is, this is our norm. However, there's one thing in the storyline that you probably didn't notice when you were watching that. Um, on top of dealing with the everyday life issues, the Winslow family, they opened their arms and they opened their hearts and they opened their house to welcome strangers. People who were not in their direct bloodline. So I say that to say is as, you know, the seasons went on and Urkel and everybody else grew, um, he eventually moved into the house. 
with them. His family that he was with, they moved away and they abandoned him. They also adopted an orphan, a little boy who was in the community. He was a friend of one of the nephews of the parents and his mother passed away. And so the Winslows opened their arms and their hearts to these two young boys with all of this stuff that's going on in the community for them to have a safe place for them to have a loving family and protection from the outside elements. So, my friends, our topic this morning is family matters. Now, I know that this is definitely an an ordained situation, as I mentioned before, Um, you know, with Pastor talking to us about his decision with regards to the series. And, you know, I'm not a person that believes in coincidences. When you are a believer in Christ, there's no such thing as coincidences, okay? Let me just set your heart right now. If somebody hasn't told you that, let me be the first to tell you, okay? Because we have given him control of our lives, He knows everything that's happening. So there's no such thing as coincidences. He is in control of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Amen? Okay. I have my notes here, and it says... We can go as far back as thinking and and looking at Adam and Eve. God knew that he would create people from the dust of the earth, one by one if needed. But he decided that he wasn't going to do it that way. He created male and female, orchestrated each gender and our DNA to be able to create and procreate his creation and his likeness. That's how he wanted to create his family. He didn't want to create each and every one of us out of the dust. So let's read Genesis 2, verse 7. And what I am going to do, if you're okay with this, Pastor, is when we put the scripture up, I'd like to hear your voice but I think God wants to hear your voice even more. So if you don't mind, I'm not going to force you to do this, but I would appreciate that we read the scripture together. So if we can put up uh, Genesis. Genesis, uh, I want Genesis 7. Is that okay? So together, the Lord, then the Lord, God, formed a man, from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Yeah, so when I was reading that in my studying, it actually was kind of revelatory for me because it's not that we don't know this. We already know this. But when we take it in and think about 
if he didn't breathe the breath of life in us, what, who, what would we be? We wouldn't be, a, we wouldn't be a living being without the breath of life. So I had assumed that when he created Adam and Eve on the sixth day, that they were complete. Because that's what the scripture says. He was created on the sixth day. But this event happened on the seventh day. And listen, I won't shoot the messenger. It's in the Bible, okay? So what separates us human beings from every other living, walking creature on this earth. The seventh day. So now I'd like us, if we can read six and seven together, that would be great. I've separated it just for the purposes of us to be able to understand where I'm, gonna, where I'm going with this. So six, and we can read together, came from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. And now seven, then the Lord formed dust, the ground, and breathed life into his nostrils, the breath of life, and the man became a living being. That breath of life is very special. And Pastor reminded us of this in our session at CSUN last week, that when God breathed the breath of life into Adam, he breathed his spirit into him. That's what's so special. Without the spirit of God, we would just be procreators. That's it. Now I believe that at best, we would be able to just raise our children, we'd be able to survive in this world. Think about it. In the animal kingdom, they have a mother and a father. They have siblings. They're taught to eat. They're taught to sleep. They're taught to hunt. They're taught to procreate. They have an instinct of when danger is lurking or it's near. We're talking about the animal kingdom and how to deal with death if it's necessary. But that's it. That's the extent of the animal kingdom. So why does the Spirit of God put us in a different category? Well, we were created with a soul, and we could function in the land that God created in the first six days of the week with it, but the spirit drives the soul. Amen? And the spirit that, it's the spirit that connects us to God as not only his creation, but also his family. And this matters to God, because if it didn't, he wouldn't do it. Remember I said there's no coincidences? Family matters to God. Can we say that together? Family matters to God. So we're going to take um, a couple of minutes to look at who is the family of God. 
why family matters to God and the purpose the family of God has in the kingdom. And then I'm going to connect everything back to Genesis 2, 5, 6, and 7. And then, brace yourselves, I'm going to apply it to Aurora Cornerstone. So bookmark the Genesis scriptures because we'll be going back and forth. And pray for me and pray for yourselves. And I'll leave the topic of family after today with our dear beloved pastor because I know that the Lord is stirring him up and I'm excited to hear how he's going to finish or start um, our series. So who does God consider to be his family? Well, I think I may have mentioned it, but God's family is his children. And for the sake of understanding, his children are those of us, just for clarity, who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior of their life. Amen? Collectively, we are called the church. Now, I know many of you have heard this phrase being used and misused, and I'm talking about the church um, being the building, the four walls. How many of have you have had conversations with maybe more so non-believers and they call the church, when they, when they reference the church, you can tell in their conversation they're talking about the building. How many? I know I've had many conversations with people, oh, the church, the church, the church. And I then have to remind them or inform them that actually the church is the people inside the building. That's just what, where we go sit in. Amen. But make no mistake, we are the church. Are we the church? Okay, just want to make sure. <laughs> we are the church. I'll give you an example. There's a situation with a particular ministry that's happening in the city right now. And they were very flourishing for years. Holy Spirit, oh, Holy Spirit lived in this ministry. And it grew, and it grew, and it grew. And they had, they had a size church um, building of this size, and they had to go to three services because the Spirit was moving, not just in the, the leadership, but in the community. They did what they needed to do. They got out, they did the footwork. They were in prayer all the time. They had a prayer engine downstairs. I'm telling you, it was, the ministry was fantastic, if I may use that word. And so time went on, and this particular ministry started to be well-known within the church community in the city and some of the GTA. It was amazing, the things that transpired. The congregation grew. There was extensions put on the church. It was awesome. And something happened. We don't quite know yet. It's between the lead pastor and the Lord. But something happened. And there was a shift. And so the ministry started to 
for a lack of a better word, dwindle. So what we would say as believers is that the Lord became unhappy. When you take your eyes off of the Lord and you put your eyes on yourself, what he builds, he removes. Because, hey, you're going to do it better than yourself, then go ahead and do it. But the building of this ministry is still there. 85,000 square feet and filled every weekend with two services. We're talking 1,700 seats in that sanctuary. They're down to one service. There's a repentance that the Lord is waiting for to put everything back into place. But I don't believe that he's pleased with what they've done so far. So all of that to say is this. The building is still there. The people are gone. Where's the church? You see... What I'm trying to get at is, if they give up the building, the church remains. The Lord can continue to bless that ministry because their mentality is not in the building. The ministry is not about the building. But if they give up the building, the heart of the ministry is, that's it. Church is done. Doors are closed. There's no more ministry. That's not how God works. We are his church. Those people, those last two people, they are God's priority. They are the church, not the building. So I, I, I wanted to use that as an example to try to illustrate that it's not this beautiful facility that we have, my friends. God's children are you and me. So let's take a look at Ephesians 2, uh, 19 and 20, if we can. And this is a combination of what we were, I was talking about with the Winslow family and Family Matters. So together we can, we can read, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. I kind of like that one because we got cornerstone in the scripture. Why not? <laughs> Why not throw it in, right? Amen? Okay. And I wanted to explain that the church 
is made up of the body of Christ. And we are the body of Christ. Collectively, we are the church. But individually, we are sewn and knitted, knitted neatly together to build the image and the likeness of Christ. The body of Christ is made up of gazillions of tiny little particles, according to what we read in Genesis 7, the dust of the ground. So after inviting him into our lives, each and every one of us make up a speck of the dust that God used. Nobody likes to consider themselves to be dusty, but in God's eyes, it's a beautiful thing. Amen? So let's read 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Did I have that one up? Did I give you that one? Okay, so I'll read it. I think that's one that I, I've got so much scriptures in here, guys, that I thought, I just don't want to bombard you with scripture, but... In my studies, when, when the Lord gives me something, I, I, just, I just get excited. <laughs> I really get excited. Sorry. So 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is one. And if you have it in your Bibles or on your devices, please. Oh, did we find it? Fantastic. I love that back there. You just, you just, you just have me, girl. Okay, so together, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all, so is it with Christ. My sisters and my brothers, he lives in us, and we live in him. And while some of us may not have the direct bloodline, now, let me just stop right here. Is there anybody in here who is Jewish? or follows the Jewish, or is born in the Jewish? Okay. I wanted to to say that first before I continue on. While some of us may not have the bloodline, uh, like like the example, like my question I just asked if anybody's Jewish, or, um, you know, my example of family matters. The core family, family matters, is mother, father, and siblings, or sorry, children. All in the blood. Many of us may not have that bloodline, But that's not what's important to God. If I was to go back, uh, I'm going to go to Ephesians 2. And if you want to go there with me, that's fine. But I'll read it. Ephesians 2, verse 17. Um, Actually, not 17, uh, verse 18. For through him, we both have access by one, by one spirit onto the Father. So regardless of whether we're bloodline or not, our connection to the Father is through the Spirit of God. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God through the spirit of God, not through the bloodline, right? 
You don't exonerate the bloodline because we'll have to deal with it when, when the rapture happens. They're, they're, they are important to the Lord, so please, don't get me wrong. But what I am saying is what's more important or equally as important, let me correct myself, is that we all have the Spirit of God because there are some of those that have the bloodline that have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Amen? We are engrafted into the family by the Spirit of God. His Son gives us that Spirit when we accept Him as our Lord and Savior. So I'm going to go to, if you have, let's, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. So I read, a, I read a little bit of it before. For, do we have it up on the screen? Oh, there we go. Okay, together now. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form... I want to emphasize to you, I can't stress it more than enough how important the Holy Spirit is to our existence as believers. I have an affiliation sometimes I say Christians and then sometimes I say believers. Here's a fun fact, if you didn't know. Prior to the epistles or Paul showing up on the scene, what we call Christians now, those that followed Jesus when he was walking were called believers in the way. Think about what I just said. Believers in the way. In whose way? In whose way? Amen. So you are listening. That's good. Believers in the way of Jesus. We fast forward to when, after the cross, and then we introduce Paul, and now we have an actual title. We're called Christians. And this is not in my notes, and I'm not going to stray too far, but I just, it's a fun fact. So now we're called Christians. Well, my fun fact is we've got Christians, <laughs> and then we have believers. <laughs> and believers are those that do both, from my perspective. Now, I don't. I don't pray tell to say that Christians don't do both, but you can tell somebody who really believes in Jesus Christ and wants to follow what's in the epistles, and you, you can tell those that are just about following the epistles. And we'll just leave that there. We might pick it up later on in the year sometime. But believers, we were engrafted into the family by the Spirit of God once we accept him as our Lord and Savior. I'm not sure how I'm doing on time. I can just keep going? Amen. <laughs> I'm tempted to continue to read 
um, in this particular chapter. And that would be me reading to you, but it's quite long. What I'd like you to do, if you have some time, because this, the, the, the second part of this chapter gives us a description of the body and its many members. And that's what I really wanted to kind of highlight to you is that not for one minute do we not recognize that we have a body, like arms, legs, fingers, we've got you know, toes and everything. We're talking about the body of Christ and the body of Christ and the members of the body of Christ and the things that we are called to do as the members of the body of Christ is, is depicted in the scriptures um, in this chapter. And so I wanted to go through it, but I don't want to put everybody to sleep. And for the sake of time, and we've got a full Sunday today, <laughs> um, I'm going to forego that for now. But the deciding factor of who is the beneficiary, okay, You need to know more about Jonah. Okay. Well, no worries. Listen, we will absolutely uh, have a conversation about Jonah with you. But for the purposes of today, we are going to talk about the family of Christ, and we're going to talk about the family of Christ in Aurora Cornerstone. But we definitely don't want you to feel like we are going to ignore your request because edification is important. Amen? Please, 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 I would love him to stay. I would love you to stay. There's no need. So why does the family matter to God? Now that we have some sort of understanding of, you know, we talked about the family of God, I want to encourage you to consider also using the body of Christ and the church when we talk about the family of God. Even if it's just for the purposes of today. We can definitely take care of those questions after service, sir. I'm going to ask you this question and I don't want you to answer out loud. But what I do want you to do is to listen for the spirit of the Lord to give you the answer. Now, it may not happen right away. It may happen during service. It might happen after. It may happen when you close your eyes to go to sleep tonight. But I want you to listen and tune your ears to however the Lord speaks to you in this question. Why does the family, the body of Christ, or the church matter to God? They may seem like very easy questions. But even I, when I asked myself this question, I had to go digging a little bit to bring it all together. So why does the family, the church, the body of Christ matter to God? Let's give you a couple seconds. So God always intended to use family to expand his 
kingdom, to create his kingdom, he always intended to use the family foundation and the structure. That's why he told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. Let's read Genesis 1.28. And together, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the debris. Amen. Be fruitful and multiply, but in the ways of God. Okay? We be fruitful in the ways of God. Fruitful is not success. Again, I think I remember Pastor talking about this last week. I don't know if it was CSIM or if it was in the service, but fruitful is not necessarily success. Success is coming from a place of you setting your own goals. Fruitful in the eyes of God is seeing something that has come or has manifested or has come to pass for the glory of God. Because of the glory of God, for the glory of God. And how do we measure that? Whenever that situation has manifested itself, that you see that person or that thing give glory back to God. Amen? When it gives glory back to the Father, that is how you know you've been fruitful in the ways of the Lord. Now, do we get benefits from that? I know I do. And as we spoke last night, sometimes it doesn't necessarily look like we get the benefits or feel like it, according to Jeremiah. But I was thinking what about that last night, Pastor. And, you know, if we praise him in the good and the bad, it's still... A benefit. Jeremiah had a horrible time, according to the natural eye. But in God, he was pleased. So it's still considered to be a good gift because it comes from the good gift giver. He was given a prophetic way that he couldn't get from anybody else. Nobody else could give him the words that he spoke to God's people if it wasn't for him being a friend of God. How is that not good? It didn't turn out to be good for everybody else, but it turned out to be good for Jeremiah because God took care of him in the end. Amen? Fruitful in the ways of God. Showing the glory, receiving the glory. God gets it all. And multiplying through the institution of marriage. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I had my daughter very young, as everybody probably can tell. 
Um, and, and that was the time when I was not in the church. I grew up in the church to a certain age. My parents divorced because um, I come from wedlock. And it's always been my desire because that's what I grew up in. I grew up in wedlock. Um, when they split, it wasn't fun. And I had my years of doing whatever I wanted to do because the family unit was torn apart. And they did the best that they could. They're great parents, but we just were not together anymore. And so in those years that I had my freedom, which really wasn't freedom, it was bondage, I conceived my daughter. And we'll leave that for another conversation because there's a whole blessing that comes out of her. But I'm, I'm, I'm explaining that a little bit so that we can get to the place of understanding that being fruitful and multiplying, God always wanted us to be in the confines of marriage. And it's, it wasn't about trying to tell us what to do or control our lives. He had a plan. And he wanted his kingdom to be expanded through marriage. That's why he created the institution of marriage. By the way, the enemy, not that he should be introduced on this platform, has been trying to infiltrate for years. And still, no matter what he tries to do, cannot replicate God's creation. Amen? I'm so thankful for that. I am so thankful for that. So let's read Genesis 2.24. And together, that is why. God's family, the church, the body of Christ. It's all right there. That's the plan. That was the plan. It really is that simple. Like, when you think about it, it really is that simple, guys. It's not rocket science. We, as People make things difficult, unnecessary, especially when we get outside of God's plan. But it really is just that simple. He took it back as far as Adam and Eve, and, and it's upheld in societies today. So what I want to do now is I want to move this along a little bit, and let's move it closer to today, a little bit closer. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about God's strategy and how he desired to accomplish his strategy, and I'm going to introduce Abram. So I know I said today, but, you know, <laughs> Adam, Eve, Abraham, a couple years, a few years between. And Abraham's introduced in Genesis 11 and 12. He's a direct descendant of Noah, which I didn't know. Listen, studying is fantastic. He's a direct descendant of Noah through his son, through Noah's son, Shem, which means Noah is seven or eight grandfathers removed and he comes through the bloodline of Shem, like I just mentioned. Now, these boys, uh, Noah had three sons, and we kind of know the story a little bit. And these three sons, the Lord had desired to use to procreate after he removed everyone with a flood. And it's actually been traced back that 
um, in Shem's bloodline, the Messiah comes from there. And again, another, another, another fact that I wasn't aware of. So Shem and Abraham, out of the whole crew of fathers and grandfathers, are the only two that's mentioned that are loyalists to God. And Abraham didn't even know him. It was Abraham that God saw, that God created, and that God chose to use to change the trajectory of how he was going to create his kingdom after the flood wiped out everybody and the human nature continued the same mentality before the flood. God had to find a way to get his creation to be his children. They were all over the place. And he did promise that he would never use the flood to wipe us out again. So it wasn't, he, it wasn't something that he, he needed to find another way. He needed to not do the definition of insanity. Do we know what the definition of insanity is? The definition of insanity, for those who don't know, is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. Repeat that. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Well, God is the poster child that we could use for who is not the definition of insanity. Amen? Abraham was a loyalist to God. And God knew that. And so he watched to see how Abraham, Abram maneuvered within his particular family. And I'm so glad that God saw him and pulled him out. So I want us to read, if we can read um, Genesis uh, 18 and verse 19. And together, for I have chosen him so that he will... This is a promise that God gave to Abraham after Abraham did everything that God told him to do. Everything God asked him to do. Abraham's father was a paganist. He also um, worshipped other gods. He was a businessman. But he was definitely not loyal. He was a wicked priest according to the word of God. And he had a store where he sold idols and put Abram inside to sell these, these, these items. And when people came in and his father wasn't around, he would break things and throw them down. And what we would say, we'd, he'd mash up the store. And his father was, was just besides himself. But God saw through that. Because Abram knew that there was, we sh there was a God out there. He knew that there was something out there more than 50 million gods. He knew that there was one that we should be worshiping. And God saw that. Abram didn't know who he was. He just sensed it. Hmm. 
Well, I'm glad that God pulled and highlighted Abram so that he could use him to begin to lay the path of a right and truthful family that he wants for his kingdom. And then the time came for Abraham to change, for God to change Abram's name to Abraham. And his wife from Sarai to Sarah, new identity ensued. Brand new. They were brand new, just like everyone was after the flood. It was a new start. But sometimes that comes with challenges, my friends. And in the show of Family Matters, the family still had to deal with the everyday issues of life. Now they had drugs, alcohol, gangs, relationships in school. But when the father brings his family together, the father, when the father of the house brings his family together, when the father, our Lord, brings his family together, his presence and his hand brings peace and freedom from oppression. And that's one of the benefits of being a part of the family of God. Peace and freedom from oppression. He also loves to give his family good gifts. We should never be ashamed of when God wants to give us good gifts. Understanding that they are blessings and they're to be used for the furtherance of the kingdom. But I want to show you something. I want to show you another reason why God's family is so important to him. God must have unity. He must have unity. Out of unity comes family blessings. Seeing his children getting along pleases him to no end. And when God is pleased, he likes to give gifts. So if we can read Psalms 133, I can show you what that means. And together now, how good and pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity? I think we could, like, if we really wanted to, we could just stop there, right? (laughs) But we won't. We'll continue. Verse 2. It is like precious oil. Now, if I had another hour, I'd, I'd go into oil and what that means, but we don't. So we'll move right along. And three, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for the Lord So what does the dew of heaven have to do with God's blessings? And why in the world is Mount Hermon so important? I don't know about Mount Hermon. It is important, but that's again for another sermon. What I didn't know and was also revealed in my study is that dew is the representation of the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God. You can find it in Scripture. And as the Spirit of God is unity... And operates under unity, do also has a representation of unity. That's hence why God gave us the Holy Spirit through Christ. Do is the representation of the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is unity. Do we agree on that? Okay. And operates under unity. 
And this is one of the other reasons why God gave us the Holy Spirit through Christ, so that as a family, we will operate collectively with the Holy Spirit, as we talked about prior, through unity. We are unified in Christ. So in verse, so in, in verse one, David identifies that same sentiment. Can we put verse one up again? Thank you. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Abraham also declared this same desire, unity, the desire of unity with his brother Lot when they were given the land in Canaan. Abraham said to his brother Lot, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between you and I and your herdsmen and my herdsmen. The Hebrew writer also states that continuous brotherly love is one of the things that is well-pleasing in service to God. So do also represent the replenishment and the resurrected people of God. I didn't realize that do had so much different tentacles to it. But that's what God does to us, eh? He, he opens our eyes to our narrow thinking. Remember I said earlier that I was going to try and tie all this back to Genesis? I wanted you guys to bookmark Genesis. So here we go. This is where I wanted you all to pray. The last verse, if it's still up, perfect. The last verse of Psalms talks about the dew of, Ham, of Hermon, and there be, that's where the Lord commanded the blessings forevermore. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the, the Hermon, the Mount Hermon. It's a series of mountains together in Israel and Syria, I believe. So it borders between Palestine and us. And at this particular time, in Abraham's time, sorry, in Moses' time, um, it was land that was captured and it was given, but it was dry. This is the area where, well, well this is an area where the mist, the mist of the ground or the dew fell on these mountains. And people were able to live through the dew, but it was also a place where God lived. According to Joshua and Moses in those times, God resided on this mountain. The angels fell on this mountain. There were so much special events that happened surrounding this time frame. And if we take it closer to New Testament, this is also a time where transfiguration of Jesus Christ happened. It was on Mount Hermon. So it, it is very special. We know about Mount Sinai and all of those other ones, but we don't hear about Mount Hermon. But Psalms 133 verse 3 is a representation, has representation, has connection to Genesis Verse 2, 6 and 7. And in verse 3, um, 
with the, with the dew falling, and that's where I kind of want you to rest your mind and the blessing coming. It's the dew falling and his blessing forevermore. Those are the two areas of this scripture that I want us to remember because now we're going to go back to Genesis 2, 6, and 7. If we can get them both on the screen, that would be really great. But if we can't, that's fine. It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll go through it. And I want us to read it. But the streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Stop. It was dry. Why was it dry? I'm going to read verse 5 so that you understand why it was dry. Track with me here, guys. I don't want to lose you. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. And there was not a man to till the ground. It was dry. Okay? So verse 6 says now, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Mist. My Bible says mist. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. When we look at mist, mist is dew. Dew represents the Holy Spirit. Am I too deep? Are you following me? Are you guys okay? Is everybody awake? Do you need a coffee? Yeah. Dew is of heaven in the spirit. The dew of heaven is the spirit of God or the Holy Spirit that was given to Jesus. And the dew is to resurrect and replenish the people of God. Remember I said do has do, dual and a lot of different uh, uses. I never really realized it had so many different uses. Do is used to resurrect and replenish the people of God. This is the same dew that fell on Mount Hermon, the place where God dwells. The same dew that brought unity to the tribes of Israel for a moment. The same mist or do that came up out of the earth to soften the land so that God, in verse 7, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust out of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Psalms 33 and 3. We're talking about the do. We're talking about everlasting blessings. Do we understand how they tie together? God could not create man out of the earth without the Holy Spirit, the dew, the mist coming out of the ground. If you noticed, he was able to do everything in verse 7. That was after the mist came out of the ground. I'm so thankful. For, so when you see dew on your car in the morning time, don't get upset. Don't get upset. <laughs> That's just the Lord giving you a blessing. Amen? 
The importance of family of God hinges on the expansion of the kingdom of God and unity and loyalty to God is his focal point. But what is the purpose of the family of God? And I'm gonna, this is, this, we're, gonna, we're gonna quickly wrap up here because we're getting close, to, getting close to the time. If we can read, let's read Isaiah 61 verses one to four together. Spirit of the sovereign Lord, is on me. He has sent me to build, bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners. So that's Old Testament, and we know who Isaiah is, but let's, let's look at what Jesus says. So let's read Luke 4, 18 to 21. The spirit of the Lord is is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim. Set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And I threw in that last one there. And he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I threw in those last two scriptures because it's very important that we look at it as a whole instead of just the actual words itself. So Jesus comes to fulfill the Old Testament. We see that in the first two verses of Luke. But what I want to point out you know, those first two verses is the purpose of why we are called the family of God, why God has called us in, right? You can go back and you can take a look at them. It's very simple. You should actually be doing them regardless. If you need some help, come see me. We can make an appointment. We have a conversation. Go through the birds. No problem. But what I wanted to show you more than anything else is how, how the revelation for me in this understanding was in uh, 20 and 21. So if we can put those two back up on the screen, I would really appreciate it. When he rolled up the scroll, so they gave him the word. He opened the book. He wasn't directed on where to open. Nobody told him ahead of time. He opened the book and it fell in this spot. Now, come on. I just said there's no coincidences. Okay, he's speaking to the elect in his own hometown. They don't like him. They don't like him at all. They have no reason really not to like him other than the fact that he was born there, but they don't like him. And that's what he comes with? But he just opened the book. That's where the Lord sent him. Just opened the book. And Jesus was able to recognize in a split second that once he read those scriptures, that was it. There was nothing more. I have come to fulfill what you guys have been taught all these years. End of story. He closes the book back. It's what we call 
dropping the mic. Does anybody know that phrase? Drop the mic? Jesus dropped the mic in his own hometown. I am the reason. I love his audaciousness. I wish I could be as audacious as him. I love his audaciousness. He just told us that he is the purpose of the family of God. My friends, that's what he said in Luke. When he says at the end, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You read of times of old about me. So I'm excited because I'm going to now start praying for his audaciousness in my life. He can be audacious because he's God. Father gave him the revelation. So how do you here at Cornerstone fit into the family of God? And I say you because I'm new. But most of you have been here long before me. And I can say without a shadow of a doubt that the people of Aurora Cornerstone fit right into the family of God. How I came to this church was through a prayer meeting that pastors have uh, on a Tuesday morning. And I'd been living, the Lord sent me out to Barry. I'm, I, I have a condo in Markham. And the Lord spoke to me there and said, put it up for rent, get your tail out to Barry. I'm like, what? But because my name, Wendy, means wanderer for the Lord, I say yes every time. So I said yes put it up for rent, packed up my stuff, put my half of, three quarters of my stuff is in storage and I'm living in my cousin's basement in Barrie. <laughs> the Lord said, don't rent a place, call your cousin, he'll open the doors, which he did. So for six weeks, I'm away from my church. I don't have a prayer meeting to go to. I'm trying to glean. I'm starting to dry up like the desert. And I say to the team on the prayer meeting, please pray for me because I need a place. I need a home. I need somewhere to come that I can be filled, that I can be a part of the community that's doing something in this area. Please pray for me. The next week, I come on, it's a Zoom, pastor comes up, I see Aurora Cornerstone, I start scratching the name down. No coincidences, my friend. And what I did notice is after I scratched the name down, he changed his name from Aurora Cornerstone to Wayne Lucas. <laughs> No coincidences, my friend. Because if it stayed Wayne Lucas and I didn't catch the Aurora Cornerstone, I wouldn't be here. So I'm looking, I'm searching. I'm like, Aurora, okay. Check the address. My place of uh, employment is a block away from this church. No coincidences. So I go on the website after we pray. And, and bef uh, before the end of that um, that service, uh, our pastor, who spoke here a few weeks back, he asked Pastor Wayne to pray and close the service. So this man opened his mouth, and I got punched in the face through the screen by the Holy Ghost. That was a joke. You guys can laugh. 
But no, I really did get punched in the face to the screen, to be honest with you. I was floored. I shouldn't be surprised because that team is filled with the spirit. But he was totally, just like Abram was highlighted, he was highlighted for me. So I said, okay, that's crazy. So I go, and that's when I went online to check and see. You know, let me, I do a thorough check, right? So I go online and I'm like, who's that? That's not the guy I just, I just saw on the screen and was praying and throwing Holy Ghost firebombs off the screen. That's not the same guy. A couple days go by. I'm like, Lord, you need to find me a place. Lord, you need to find me a place. Another church comes up. We're coming close to Sunday. I'm like, Lord, I need to find a place. I need to find a place. So I get in my car. I start driving south. I said, look, and this has happened to me before. It's how I ended up at my old church. I said, listen to me. You are going to either get me off at Innisfield Beach Road or we're going to Aurora Cornerstone. But you're going to do something because I'm going somewhere today. And sure enough, by the time I finished telling God what I wanted to do, I passed Innisfield Beach Road, which was the other church that I was supposed to go to. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess we're going to Aurora today. So I get to your church, and I walk in the door, and I'm, I'm, I'm hit with the presence like last night. And I thought, okay. Come into the sanctuary, and I am, worship's going and I sit in that seat behind you, young man. I, actually, I sit in your seat. And I was just sitting there and kind of just trying to get into the presence and feel the presence of the Lord. Pastor comes up and he starts speaking. And then he quotes something from Tuesday, prayer team meeting earlier that week. And he said, I heard something profound. And I've never heard it before. La, 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 la. Ultimately, he ended up quoting what I said on that prayer meeting. And I was floored again because he didn't know I was here. He didn't know I was coming. He didn't even know what I looked like because I don't even put my, my picture on. I'm not even like live on it. Nobody knows what I look like. It's, it's, I, it's intentional. <laughs> and I started crying in the congregation because that can only be God. That can only be God. So when service was done, I walked up to him, and I said, Pastor, he said, hello, and I said, um, I'm Wendy, and, um, you know, that message you just, person you mentioned, yeah, that's me. Oh, my gosh, God, this one, that one, he said, come on, everybody does blah, 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 and that's how I am here today, is because the Holy Spirit moved, the doors were open. I am not a part of the bloodline of this church I am an orphan. But y'all opened your doors to me. And you opened the doors to my daughter. And you opened the doors to my granddaughter. Amen? I am very thankful. Because I could be out there right now. And I could be completely dry as the desert if it wasn't for you guys. And this is why I say that Aurora Cornerstone is a part of the family of God. You let the doors open to a stranger, to an orphan. You're proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to all of those who don't know who he is. Amen? So as I close, finally, we are here to serve God and give him all the glory. Amen? Together in unity. Amen?
We are here to worship not only in spirit, but in truth. In the good times and in the bad times. Amen? Together in unity. The last one we're going to read. First Peter verses chapter 4, 7, and 8. The end of all things is near, and therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. This place is a house of prayer, my friends, God's house. His presence lives here, but it is because it's a house of prayer. That's the DNA of this church. But it doesn't come, become a house of prayer without the church, the body of Christ, or his family, which is you. I want you to join me and the pastoral team to continue the legacy that's here at Aurora Cornerstone. We can be the body parts of Christ that pray the dew of heaven back into the church. Aurora and the surrounding area through the prayer the DNA and the biblical family orientation that this church was built on. Will you commit to committing to the family again? Can I get the worship team to accompany me, please? You see, we don't want it like it was. We want it like God wants it. He did something new when things didn't work after the flood. So let's pray and listen to him. Tell us what we need to do to bring the dew of heaven and revive the people. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.